This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Welcome to another edition of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. So happy to be teamed up with Generation Radio. Makes that commute into the station really, really fun. Of course, the only danger is that I'm late because I want to keep jamming in the car. So I've circled the block a couple times, but that's okay. Hey, that's what we expect from KPFT. Dope sounds, deep thoughts, and community. We are happy to bring you another great lineup today we're going to be talking about the borderland archives cartography this is a really great topic so much so that we wanted to dedicate the whole show to it so on the first half of the program we will be talking to maria alvarez and talking about her part in the borderlands archives cartography and torn apart and then in the second half of the show we're talking to silvia fernandez quintanilla about Transforteriza Scholarship. She's an activist and a digital humanist. Now, and here's the other thing. We are talking about topics that have not been explored sufficiently throughout the history of education. I mean, when we've had educational systems, this has just not been in it forever. But at the same time, it is actually cutting-edge approaches 
to this work and thought and intellectual issues. So we are very excited about that. We also have a lot of good news for you. If you have a chance, check out the new Nuestra Palabra website. I hope you're going to enjoy it. You go to nuestrapalabra.org. So that's www.nuestrapalabra.org. It is brand new for our 21st anniversary party. At the front of the page, you'll see a nice link to a flyer for our awesome literary extravaganza, April 3rd at the Museum of Fine Arts Houston. I hope you will attend. Don't have to worry about saying anything about admission prices because it's free. Us and 350 of our closest friends will be there, including some major figures in literature. We announced last week that one of those folks will be Dagoberto Gil, the godfather of Chicano literature. We've got more names for you. It is going to be a really fantastic evening. But then you're also going to see some of our legacy work on there as well. Everything from the many initiatives to links to Nuestra Palabra radio shows on demand. So we're so happy you've been a part of our history. Please go check it out and spread it to other folks as well so that they can get on board. They missed the first 21 years, but they can still catch up now. And we will make sure that we are here for another 21 years as well. We're also changing up the format just a little bit. So at the beginning... We'll be having our talks on cultural capital. Now, if you are on our email blast, you were the first to get the link to our updated website and also the first to read the weekly installment on cultural capital. But this year, we want to make sure that our community understands how powerful we all are together. But more than anything, we have to start quantifying that power, investing in it, and accelerating it. Now, that that sounds kind of intense. We're going to share it with you over the air. And also, we're going to have five talks in the community, in public. We're finalizing one of the first ones. It's Central American Cultural Capital. That's what's up. We'll be down in the Gulfton area with our brothers and sisters, the Salvadorans, the Guatemalans. And don't don't get, hey, Cubanos, Puerto Ricanos, don't get jealous. We'll be hanging out with you twos as well. And, of course, the Chicas Patas, the Chicanos as well. And Chileans también. And we're also, I don't want the cat out of the bag, and you know I never use cliches. We're also getting ready for possibly queer cultural capital. Hopefully you want to get involved on some of these as well. And artivism. So creative cultural capital. So this is just a little bit of what's going on. I do want to start then with this week's installment of Cultural Capital, and it is on the website, TonyDiaz.net. The blog is called The Cultural Accelerator. Every Tuesday at 2, a new installment. This one is called Importing Mexicans from Chicago. So I'm the first Chicano to earn a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing from the University of Houston's Creative Writing Program. I came from Chicago to study writing in Houston. When I first got here, I had to keep explaining this to Houstonians, especially Latinos. They found it hard to believe that Chicago didn't have such a program first. People were shocked to find out that not only did Houston have one of the leading creative writing programs in the nation, and one of the few. And I had to keep telling people that people are fighting to get into this program, and you just live down the street from it. Some folks would remember a cousin that they had or a relative who attended the University of Houston. Maybe he was in it. They'd think about this out loud. Some would say that Rice was a better school. <laughs> They'd say, Rice is a better school than UH. They kept telling me, maybe I could still get into Rice. I'd have to keep pointing out to them that I didn't want to go to Rice University because they didn't have a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing program. Other folks would say, they could have swore they took a Creative Writing class at Rice University. I had to explain to them that that was an undergraduate program. This is postgraduate. This is after you're done getting your bachelor's degree. So my first summer in Houston, I invested a lot of time telling Houstonians about their city and their program, which people from across the country coveted. Now, once I actually began my courses at UH in the writing program, I understood why the community had so many questions. I was the only Mexican in the program. 
This blew my mind. In fact, that that's too light a phrase, too much of a cliche. I was shocked, stunned, surprised, sickened, dismayed. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. There are a lot of Mexican-Americans and Puerto Ricans in that city and a lot of Latinos. But even there, we never had a Mexican-American mayor like San Antonio did. Of course, that's San Antonio, not Houston. But at least Houston is just a two-and-a-half-hour drive away from a Chicano mayor of a major city. Up to today, Chicago has still never elected a Latino mayor. Chicago didn't have a Center for Mexican American Studies like the University of Houston did either. And I didn't really pay attention to this before I graduated from college and got my well-paying but crappy first job out of college like everyone does. So in all fairness to those folks who I talked to in Houston, Texas, when I first arrived, I would have asked me those same questions, too, if I had met me when I was a senior in college or just about to graduate from my undergraduate program. I would have confounded myself, too, if I had met the me who was ready to quit a regular paying job to become this crazy thing called a writer, and I was willing to leave the center of his universe, Chicago, to return to the state where his parents had to pick crops to survive. And I did have to leave to do this. For all of its trash and brash talk, Chicago didn't have any Master of Fine Arts and Creative Writing programs worth a darn in the city at the time. Of course, now they have several. And Houston was willing to give me a fellowship and also give me a job as a teaching assistant to some beautiful poet professor, I was sure, who would help me walk around Houston and force me to do research on great writers and I'd have to bring her poems and have to talk about them while we sipped wine, I hoped. Yeah, we didn't have any of that in Chicago. But Tejas was also in my blood. My father was a teenager when he was loose in the fields of Texas without parents going farm to farm to pick to make his pan de cada dia. He didn't speak English. He didn't go to school. And soon he'd also have the responsibility of children to raise. On the other hand, I was a citizen. I spoke the language. I was the first male in my family to graduate high school and the first in my family to go to college. I didn't have any kids. And on top of it, I had a car, an amazing blue Eclipse Sabre. Nothing or anyone could stop me. I decided I wasn't going to put up with my BS sick dream job, and I quit that job in Chicago that I despised. I decided I was going to Texas to become a writer. I was turning the world upside down. My parents had picked their way north out of Texas. I was writing us back south. Of course, in Mexico, the American dream was always in El Norte. My American dream was south, in the dirty south. But I had to turn the world upside down to understand why in the world the University of Houston creative writing program had to import Mexicans from Chicago while they were surrounded by a sea of raza. That gap between the ivory tower and the cultural capital of our people is what I'm about to expose. And that day of reckoning is here and I'm happy to deliver it. Live on the air with your help. This 21st year, nothing will remain the same. Thank you so much for support all this time. We are going to dive into our show. Now, I think we may have music to share because we've been looking for musicians to, to make sure that we're promoting local artists. We do. Excellent. We have, um, we had Calum, the same guy that was from yesterday. I mean, not yesterday. Was it yesterday? No. Uh, <laughs> it felt like yesterday. Last, last week. week. <laughs> yes. And then we'll have, um, again, uh, Elise, Elise, um, Marlin's uh, cousin. Uh, we had another single we didn't play last time. Excellent. And I believe that's Haven. Uh, and we're staying true to our cause, which is local talent. Yes. And artists that we want to make sure get exposure. Hey, this is Tony Isli with Africante. And this is Letty. And, and introduce our new... We have a new volunteer. Hey, yo, what's up? I'm Tara. Nice to meet you guys. Hello. Thanks for coming out. Thank you. No problem. All right. And let me get to that. And we're going to go. We're going to fade out.
And we are back. That was awesome. That's fantastic music. I'm so glad that we can say that those are folks that we are airing. You're not going to hear them on other stations yet. We do hope that at some point they will be a household name because those are some some great rhythms and lyrics. Really enjoy them. And we're happy that people will be able to tune into them. We'll keep you posted on any live events that they may be engaging in. And, of course, if you know any musicians that would like to have their work on the air, we'd love to work with them. Just have to send us a note at info at nuestapalabra.org or hit us up on Facebook or Twitter as well. Now, right now, we're going to have one of our first two guests to talk about scholarship and research. And her name is Mayra Alvarez. Thank you for coming. No, thank you for the invitation. Uh, Mayra is the Houston Director for the Inter-University Program for Latino Research, IUPLR, a national consortium of a university-based centers dedicated to broadening the Latino intellectual presence in the U.S., which is what we are always wanting, is our hint to be considered as intellectuals. She's a Ph.D. candidate at the Department of Hispanic Studies at the University of Houston, her research interests lie in the study of U.S. Latino, U.S. Mexico border, and Latin American literature. That sounds like music to our ears. As well as border and women's studies, art, print, culture, archives, and digital humanities. She is co-founder of Borderlands Archives Cartography, a transnational archive that consists of a digital map that displays a U.S.-Mexico border cartography that records geographic locations of 19th and mid-century newspapers. She's also a team member of Torn Apart Separados, a rapidly deployed critical data and visualization intervention in the USA's 2018 Zero Tolerance Policy. Mida is also a member of the forthcoming team-based digital humanities project, United Fronteras. Congratulations on all the work that you're doing, and thank you for coming out. No, thank you. Thank you again for the invitation, for inviting Celia and I for this. Yeah, this is exciting, too, because, I mean, the topics are ancient, but these are very new ways new ways to approach some of this. So, well, let's start with that, um, because we don't need a border wall. Just get with <laughs> I'll leave that out there. But, you know, border walls are like these medieval approaches. That's what people think about our gente. And here you are. Um, tell people what digital archives are and, and well, some of the cutting-edge ways to save that is and, and disseminate that. Well, there are, being, uh, there are archives that have been digitized. I mean, in this case, we're working with newspapers. So newspapers that have been digitized so are available, some of them openly to the public, others by institutions, others depending of a database, you know, like EBSCO or um, Newsbank and so on and so forth. So basically is uh, how now archivists are, or libraries like the Library of Congress is digitizing many of this material so it could be open to the public as well and reach more people instead of going to an actual archive and uh, having access to that, which many of us don't have because you have to travel, you have to, uh, it requires money, it requires many things, right, in order to do that time especially. So yes, that's um, basically what a digital archive would be. And uh, in this sense, uh, with the Borderlands Archives cartography, is using that material that has been digitized in order to, um, in our case, by the way, another thing um, about us is that I am a, uh, from the border, Laredo border, and Silvia is from the Laredo, um, Laredo. Ciudad Juarez, El Paso uh, border. So. So yeah, so that's the no, that's the reason. That, that is exciting. Yeah, that's the reason. You lived why, it. Yeah, exactly, and that's the reason that this project initiates as well. It's by talking about our experiences and the frustration of growing up not knowing the history of our, you know, of our um, heritage, you know, um, of if the border itself. So for it, was us, there a crisis down there? By the way, the president said there's a crisis. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, in I can say that from my point of view, uh, not in the sense that he's saying there's a crisis that he's you know um, uh, causing because of the situation with all these people that are trying to seek asylum that are immigrating as well. You know, looking for a better life. So there's different groups that are trying to get to the United States. However, we or what it, what is happening is that 
uh, media and uh, the national discourse is that it's one whole thing the same, right? And that is criminals, and that's not the case. So it's very complex. It's something that's very complex, and that's why the importance of projects like this, that it's like, let's explore the history of this of this territory, of this uh, border, in this case, uh, Borderlands Archives Cartography. It's about that. It's Let's look at the history from another lens, in this case, newspapers that are published by local um, individuals, you know, uh, and not necessarily from that uh, from that territory, but in people that have been in exile, people that have migrated, people that have uh, are, that are natives from that land. So, and also, uh, we document from the 19th century. So the border was very different from what we know now, right? And that's so there were different narratives shaping exactly, and that we don't know many of this because they were held in archive or held in archives that we didn't have much access to. So fortunately, because of our academic formation, our knowledge, our experience, personal experience, um, we have uh, we decided to to take on this uh, platform, you know, the digital humanities, to bring that, um, to work with the archives in order to visualize what That's is exciting. Yeah. Well, and, and I remember even from, from some of the um, recovery project uh, conferences and the anthology, Tambien, uh, um, the anthology of Hispanic literature, just, cra- just some crazy facts. Like, I mean, people will imagine, well, sure, there were Spanish language newspapers at the border, but like in Philadelphia and Louisiana, like exactly. that's mind boggling. Makes us remember that when people say silly things, we're, we're arming you for your next family <laughs> get together, folks. When, <laughs> when that uncle says something about, we need English only. Well, the first printed language was Spanish and, and whatnot. Um, let me ask you this. So what what are some interesting things that you have discovered? Because you've got access to all this kind of things. A- any other? Well, for instance, uh, and also, again, from this project that, uh, that um, from Borderlands Archives Cartography, another way, another, one of the things that it's proposing is uh, how to look at the, at the Borderlands, right? Because, and everybody has a different view. Uh, so, again, we decided to approach it through the newspapers, right? Which is not your traditional historical, official, quote unquote, documents um so that's one of the things another how do we describe this project right for us is documenting from a particular period according to the newspapers so for instance we we say 19th century but the oldest newspaper that we have at the moment uh recorded is 1808 so wow the mississippi that um so we it's the newspapers that are telling us how we're going to approach you know this 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 territory, and how we're going to approach as well the discourse. So, again, many people out there have different opinions of what is border or the borderlands to them, and this is just uh, just to clear out. It is from a perspective of what the archives are telling us, what is in there. Because then too, you have evidence too. So you're saying, hey, in 1808, <laughs> exactly, there was a what was the name of the newspaper again? El Mississippi, and also. <laughs> For instance, I uh, love the name in Mississippi. <laughs> exactly. So it's like it's telling us, right? The, even the title of it is in Spanish. El is not the Mississippi, and uh, so and also what it contains. And, and that, was that Spanish? What, what the Espanolas call it, or like, like? Well, it, it, not so much because it's the way that it's spelled Mississippi. Like it's spelled differently in English than in Spanish. <laughs> so it was spelled in as it would be in Spanish. Gotcha. <laughs> so another thing, there's been newspapers that are trilingual, French, English, and Spanish. And they were found, some of them, That's in the good. territory of what is uh, Louisiana or right now, what is um, what is it? Um, Brownsville. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, oh, man. All those brown peop- Brownsville people are going to say they're French now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting because that is telling us something. And also, uh, not only that, but... Again, this project is transnational, so we're not considering only newspapers found in the U.S., but also in the Mexican uh, northern states, right? We just because they're part of this transition of the borderlands, right? Their their um, newspapers um, had a very different dynamic in Mexico, 
and and so the way they recorded the way they are um they were produced for instance most of the time newspapers were very localized so because usually the printing press was under the possession of the city or the government or you know the state so compared to the US we have more um individuals you know not necessarily attached to any uh uh government or institution that uh were owners you know of the press so that tells an also different narrative and it's interesting to see that because if uh, we invite you to to explore the the website the map and you you would see through the different periods how that moves around because of that and so um, so that's cool give the website or how can they get to the map the website is back cartography so it's b a c you will spell cartography so it's b a c a r t o g r p h y .org not .com .org um and um and also in the social media see if it's easier for you you can just look for the same thing back uh or back cartography and you get the information and also so once you go there you'll see a digital map that you can explore and it will take you to the different archives where you can uh find this newspapers some of them again they're open access some of them unfortunately you know are restricted because um they the archive they belong to you know some of them are private some of them are open to the public but but some of them folks can go in and just kind of browse and and take yes. Yes, and those that are not open, you can always, you know, ask uh, your institution or your library if you can have access to that information as well. That's so. exciting. Now, of course, want to let folks know that, of course, the um, the IUPLR is involved with LAN Latino Art Now, which will be here in April. We're all excited yes. about that. Yes, and we'll be supporting that to the max. Um, and there'll be scholars coming in from all over. And you'll also be completing your PhD. That's correct. That's yes. When and when? This semester, this by me. Doctora, yes. I. Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. Will you, will you be staying here and working more with this project, or? Yes. Uh, so now, yes. Uh, but you never know what the future holds. But yes, for now. Let the bidding okay. war begin. <laughs> That's fantastic. So we're going to take a little break. We did want to dedicate the whole show to this huge project. I know we just kind of touched the tip of the pyramid. So more than anything, it's great for folks to to, to talk to a PhD, <laughs> um, get access to it. They can get to it on Twitter también. Uh, yeah, we have uh, the social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, so you can find us. That's really cool. <laughs> so here were these newspapers stored away and boxes somewhere and now you've helped put them at a yeah yeah a tweet have, away. have a we try to facilitate the access to those newspapers so yeah we invite you to explore again the website and um you know look at the borderlands history fantastic thank you very much so we're gonna take a little bit of a break and then we're gonna come back and talk to sylvia about her work on this project you're listening to nuestra palabra latino writers having their say on the air La 
We are back. We hope you're enjoying these deep thoughts and dope sounds. It is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. Perhaps you're listening in the future. We're talking about archives. So this show, too, will be archived at the University of Houston Digital Archives. And then also the hard copy of our work is kept at the Houston Public Library. If you are on our email list, you got our list of fantastic events. We talked about a lot of the Hispanic-influenced events going on. The Houston Grand Opera has Florencia Las Amazonas. We had a great interview with the director of the opera last week. Can't wait to see that, inspired by Gabriel Garcia Marquez's work. That's beautiful. Cirque du Soleil also has a, a theme of Mexico. We're mm-hmm. looking forward to having one, some of the performers on the show. You're waiting for them to walk in. No, not today. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Juggling fire, right? <laughs> and looking forward to see see that. But also, you've got the Houston Latino Film Festival coming up. We, we've mentioned that as well. And a lot of other events, including the Knox Texas Focal Conference, February 14th and 16th, which will be at Houston Community College. So there's a lot of that. We've gone out of our way to include more listings in our email blast. If you love it, forward it. Let us know. We'll keep doing it. And if there's too many... Say, so you know what? There's too much Latino art <laughs> and uh, intellectual processes. Just pick four of them, guys, and, and we'll go to them. If that's how you are, you'll be tough, fine. Let us know. But let us know one way or the other. This way we can see what you exactly like. We are back with the second half of the show. We're talking about this incredible program to to bring our history and culture to you. And on this segment, we want to focus on... The fact that these are two Latinas who have done this themselves. So as you hear from them, they have their act together. You probably already clicked on, on some of the work that they're doing. You would imagine they have an army <laughs> helping them. It's both of them. And if they had not pushed themselves to do this, it would not exist. Next, we'll be chatting with Silvia Fernandez Quintanilla. She's a border native and a transfronteriza from Ciudad Juarez, eh? El Paso. Hey, (laughs) borderland. Her identity has influenced her scholarly practices to delve into the personal is political. I'm going to pause right there. That's deep. Through her research, involvement within the creation and collaboration of various initiatives, together with her participants with Latino border and women communities and organizations, she considered herself a scholar activist. Man, I want to talk about that. And digital humanist. Fernandez's work approaches political, social, historical, literary, cultural histories, and digital tools, along with testimonios, one's life experience, in order to bring about social justice through consciousness raising, which is, that's what's up with Nuestra Palabra. Currently, Silvia Fernandez is a PhD candidate in the Hispanic Studies Department at the University of Houston. She works as a teaching assistant for the Spanish as a Heritage Program and used to work as a research fellow with Recovering the U.S. Hispanic Literary Heritage. Shouts out to Dr. Nicholas Canelos, was a, a big ally and friend. She is among the founders and team members of an ongoing and forthcoming initiatives where she currently plays leadership roles, which include what we're talking about today, Borderlands Archives Cartography, Torn Apart Separados, Delis Negron Digital Archive, Filling the Gap Spot, Hispanic Press Project forthcoming, and United Fronteras forthcoming, among others. Past ones include Mujeres y Hombres Activas Revolucionarias, MHAR, a student organization at New Mexico State University. Thanks for joining us. Gracias, Tony, por la invitación. No, claro, yo creo que una cosa que me encantaría um, enfocar en, y claro, que nos digas un poco más el proyecto por, por tu punto de vista, the work that you're doing. But you both are doing this on your own dime, your own time, and your own blood, sweat, and tears? Sí, este es correcto. Pues, este, como lo mencionó Mayra, este, las dos somos de diferentes fronteras, de diferentes experiencias. En mi caso, pues, nací en, Juá- eh, nací en El Paso, pero siempre viví en Ciudad Juárez y el cruzar de un lado para otro. No era nada para ti, era como natural. Pues, te vuelve parte de tu vida diaria. Y si quieres comprar leche más barata, te vas al paso. <risa> y si la gasolina está más barata en Juárez, pues la pones en Juárez. Y esa es la vida. Pero este cuando eres de esos espacios, es muy triste que sales de ahí. Y 
con orgullo quieres decir, pues soy de Juárez, de donde matan a las mujeres, o no vayas allá, ¿verdad? Y se vuelve, te, te deja una huella y es muy triste porque, pues no has, este, hasta el momento, pues no ha sido una experiencia que uno ha vivido, pero también ves cómo la prensa altera las historias. Well, well and, and I mean, the president has actively tried to portray the border region as, well, let's, let's say this. He's not talking about the intellectual history, the rich history, how, how people are fluid. That, that, of course, is groundbreaking. Claro, es, es muy triste y cómo lo defiendes. Vas... Este, cuando yo entré a la universidad también fue escuchar desde una perspectiva de afuera. ¿Y tú comenzaste estudiando allá? O? Sí, comencé en Ciudad Juárez y ya para la secundaria fue como, ya vete al paso a estudiar. Y ha sido siempre como muy difícil. Entonces, al tomar clases y empezar a escuchar la retórica tan negativa de estas ciudades, te lo cuestionas porque dices... ¿Cómo? O sea, porque hablan de esa forma tan negativa cuando yo he visto a mis papás salir adelante en este lugar? Ves a las comunidades, ves a la gente salir adelante de una u otra forma, pero incluso las personas, ay, ¿te gusta la ciudad? No, oh, está bien cochina, está bien fea, porque incluso el gobierno, lo, sus alrededores te presentan eso como México, lo bonito está en el sur. En el norte no hay nada, igual en, en el lado estadounidense, pues aquí es puro desierto. Entonces, desde eso, pues uno va creciendo y... Ahora, cuando eras joven y veías esos diferentes narrativos, ¿otras latinas no lo tomaron? Así que estoy imaginando que algunas personas jóvenes van a verlo y van a creer que eso es un hecho, quizás. ¿Es eso el caso? ¿Eras un poco más consciente de los diferentes narratives than most students or would the most students look at it and say this isn't right? Creo que es diferente por ejemplo en mi caso pues yo he llevado una vida en ambos lados entonces es lo que me ha hecho a mí valorar ambos lados. Porque lo has visto y lo has vivido. Y que he tenido también el privilegio porque aquí ah, podemos hablar en cuanto un privilegio en cuanto a mi ciudadanía de poder cruzar de ambos lados sin embargo ¿qué pasa cuando cruzan al lado estadounidense y ya no pueden regresar al lado mexicano. Es otra perspectiva. O el estar en el lado mexicano y que no puedan... No, I agree. We have citizenship privilege, which is... Sí. We, we should use that as something powerful and, and, and there's certain responsibilities that come claro, with that. Claro, crear conciencia y poder no separarte de una persona que diga, yo no voy a México, no verlo como, ay, es un traicionero, sino más bien... ¿Por qué? ¿De dónde surgen esos pensamientos y de dónde vienen esas experiencias? Y eso fue lo que encontramos en Back, que en Back se ven todas esas presencias a través del periódico. En el periódico se ven y en las secciones de anuncios que están anunciando en el lado mexicano el dentista, el, la zapatería. Pero ¿qué vemos en el lado, anunciando para el lado estadounidense la venta de carros, los bancos? Entonces puedes ver esa dinámica. Muchos de los anuncios están en Spanglish. ¡Wow! ¿Por qué? Porque están representando esa dinámica y no es algo de negarlo, sino de con orgullo ver la fluidez que hay en la frontera de la que muchas veces well, no se habla. Well, and those newspapers tell the story because then interests claro. and how far back does that go like like is, this has been since 1808 i guess it's been fluid no i mean desde empezó en febrero del 2017 okay. empieza en febrero del 2017 no, lo el, de, proyecto. el proyecto pero pregunta sobre los periódicos el contexto de esa fluidez oh, el, lo podemos ver de diferentes dinámicas por ejemplo, en, en 1808, que empieza empezamos a recolectar los periódicos, el territorio abarca todos los estados de lo que ahorita ya no, eh, que ya no pertenecen a México. Oh, wow. ¿Verdad? Entonces estaban bajo el imperio español y vemos otra dinámica completamente diferente que están interactuando con el imperio francés. ¿Verdad? Después pasa otra transición. Hay un periódico que se llama el Anglo-Saxon. Que, oh, sí. que se publica en México 
en el lado mexicano y está en inglés y es dirigido por estadounidenses para informarle al ejército estadounidense de lo que andan haciendo los soldados mexicanos. Wow. Entonces se ve esa tensión que había durante also la... Aspiring, but... <laughs> sí, la de la guerra entre México y Estados Unidos y cómo lo puedes ver a través de los periódicos y ya ahora en la en el tercer periodo hay esos periódicos en los que ves esa interacción el cómo el mismo gobierno hablaba de las relaciones comerciales transnacionales verdad y sale la mano de George Washington y de Benito Juárez y una y fruta entonces puedes ver no wall. en un momento verdad pero te encuentras a diferentes instancias de todas las transiciones y de que no es algo estático. Y, y, y parece que también ahora es obvio que depende de a quién le conviene. También. Claro. Y de quién, quién estaba reportando esos periódicos. Hay muchos de la Revolución Mexicana que estaban en el, en el lado mexicano, cruzan porque no los dejaban publicar en el lado mexicano, cruzan al lado estadounidense y tienden a tener una postura de acuerdo a quién les daba dinero. Wow. Entonces, apoyaban a Carranza y los de Carranza les estaban dando el dinero. Let, let me put this in another context too, because I think, so, uh, I'm excited about this, obviously. <laughs> And perhaps some of our listeners, uh, I'd like to pause only because I want them to appreciate that all this awesome information is out there, but you both went out of your way. And let's talk about the battle for educational capital because you're making this work very accessible like i'm surprised at how accessible it is literally having it on twitter but that's both of you wanting it to make it very easy to get to porque es tan importante para ustedes dedicar tanto tiempo y, y energía y recursos a hacer esto que que claro your armchair historian puede <laughs> llegar a esta información que que a lo mejor ni te, nunca tenía acceso Claro, pues este, estamos tomando ventaja de los recursos tecnológicos, porque en muchos casos pues se puede ver como una amenaza a estos recursos, puesto que están este, borrando mucho de la historia, están reemplazando muchos documentos, muchos mm. artículos, muchos elementos, sin embargo... También se puede ver el lado de cómo utilizar estas herramientas para la ventaja de las comunidades uh -huh. y tomar en cuenta que las redes sociales, por ejemplo, llegan a todo el mundo. Entonces, tomar ventaja de eso para que no solamente se quede en la academia, sino que llegue más que nada a los jóvenes de que con la facilidad de que tienen más más este interacción con la tecnología de si yo también puedo hacer algo parecido. Y I de, love it. Claro, y de también cuestionar lo que hay afuera y and decir. And have pride and understand that, you know what, this is, this, what I hear from the powers that be is not correct and they can find the, uh, the proof themselves. So in those ways you're a scholar activist then. Sí. Me considero... Troublemaker. Uh -uh. <laughs> lo tiene que hacer uno y viene de, de mis este, profesoras feministas, del ejemplo de muchas mujeres que, que la lucha está ahí, que la lucha está constante y que uno a veces tiene que ser hocicona como ¡Ay! decía Rodrián Salúa para decir las cosas. Y también pues ahora con, con estos proyectos hemos visto de poner la teoría en la práctica, Love ¿verdad? It. De no nomás hablar, sino poner las manos en la computadora y trabajar duro para, para llegar. Pero quiero, quiero que también ahora, we're, we're almost out of time, so let's, let's, you're both here, so we'll talk to, talk to <laughs> Cuéntenos un poco de los esfuerzos y los sacrificios, because I think, I do want to talk about the battle for educational capital, because you are basically short-circuiting it because people are supposed to I'm going to be very cynical here, supposed to pay money to hear from one person and they quantified and and put their 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 approach to it and it could be perfectly legitimate but that takes years you are basically short-circuiting that which of course we as libertad love that <laughs> it's like we love that because there's 
we've been behind and denied it so long that I, part of it is turn all the wells on, open a full spigot, let it spread, and let the gente get bathed in it. The ahí van a resultar diferentes géneros, diferentes imaginaciones. Um, so for us on this station, we love it. Pero es un sacrificio. Tell, tell me the hard parts of this. And feel free to be obvious. <laughs> Creo que uno de los obstáculos, bueno, yo tengo dos y luego, es el que te enseñan a trabajar de una manera individualista. De que en nuestras carreras siempre ha sido como tú tienes que publicar un artículo, tú tienes que presentar tú solo. Entonces, cuando vimos el trabajo que pudimos hacer juntas, Mayra y yo, con Back, este, después con Turn Apart, con un grupo de seis personas, después muchas más personas, ahora con United Fronteras, que somos diez personas, fue como, ¿por qué no poner lo, lo que cada una sabe hacer bien y unirlo? Y es un resultado magnífico. I love it. But, but uh, just to touch on that, it does also speak to the whole idea of cultural capital where universities, because they're fighting for education capital, you're right. It's like, it's my name on that article, in that article for this magazine, exactly. versus if you share it all, yeah. se complica. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's, um, and also um, for those who are, you know, have thought about it and would like to do something, you know, with whatever history you possess, whatever you have, you know, knowledge and don't know how to do it, you know, it can be done. It can be done. Yes, it's a lot, a lot of work. And uh, and the reason I say this is because we have had conversations with other uh, colleagues, you know, that are in the same situations like, oh, I wish I could do this project, but I don't have the funding. Well, we practically we paid for the website from our own pocket. We did all this work. Whatever you're looking at, the website came from us, you know, hours uh, of hard work, not sleeping for days, for weeks, um, because we believe so much in this. And also, like I said at the beginning, it's because we grew up not knowing this. Mm. And we have a privilege that, uh, you know, we're, in, we're academics. Yes, uh, we have reached uh, the, the level of where we are right now. Got this knowledge from all the experiences that we have encountered. Why not share that? Like, mm. why not use that and, you know, and have um, make something out of it? Uh, especially for for people that are like us that grew up with that information, with that accessibility to that information, why not starting building those those type of platforms, you know, and uh, hopefully uh, encourage others uh, to do the same, you know. So that so, it, and literally, you were paying for the website. Of course, that's a monthly fee. Uh, yeah, it, not sleeping because you got to put every picture there. Someone put someone put it there, every word. It. Yeah. Going to archives, recording everything, mapping everything. Which you everything. could invoice people for that time. And you said you had two things. What's the Enfrentar other one? Enfrentar el miedo, porque que no haya miedo. Porque ahorita con esta tensión política y continuamente se ve eso, pues muchas veces es el miedo de que no digas eso, no hables. Mejor mm. no te enfrentes a eso para que no te metas en problemas. Sin embargo, hay formas de llegar a, a estos discursos negativos, de llegar a las comunidades de una manera no agresiva, pero pero que se vaya quitando ese miedo. En cada re, en cada presentación que íbamos era como, a ver si no nos, yo le decía a Mayra, a ver si nos aventan tomates, porque decíamos de dónde surge el proyecto y, y es contrarrestar muchas veces el poder que está en, allá afuera. Entonces es algo muy importante que que si se, si se quiere hacer un proyecto, que no se tenga miedo, que poco a poco va creciendo y, y más que nada, pues es llegar, es, es un activismo fronterizo. Que... No, y yo creo que, I'm, great, I'm so glad we're talking, we're blessed to be able to talk about this, uh, because you're right, there's not a commercial interest in this, we can't sell cars on this, <laughs> we can do it, porque nos da gana, because we know we're right. And we have the capacity to do it. I mean, right now, as I'm writing about cultural capital, I call us cultural accelerators because we were like, you know what? You, you, there's not there's not a market for this, but we're going to create the industry. And you have. So les felicito. Les felicito. And look at, and look at Anecho. So glad that we can 
get the word out. Please keep us posted. We'd love to give updates and and let people know about it. Any parting words? Uh, um. Pues, uh, para aquellos que otra vez, o sea, querer Please. es poder. Like, you know, mm -hmm. if you want to do something, just do it. Go for mm -hmm. it, you know. Trabajen, este, como dice el dicho de eh, ir en contra del de divide y vencerás, ¿no? Mm -hmm. Aquí es unidos y haces mejores cosas, que es lo que nos, nos ha enseñado estos proyectos. I love it. We've been talking to Mayra Álvarez and... Silvia Fernandez Quintinia, who are changing the world through through their work. Thank you. We are. You too. Thank you so much. Unidos. <laughs> it's, uh, it's on. It's on. <laughs> what a great show. Hope that you will join us again next week. And, of course, hope you will send us more music because this was a really complete show. Good job, Letty. Thank you so much for coming in today and helping us out as well. No problem. Uh, what did you think? What did you think of your first day in, a, in the booth? Uh, I'm excited to come back next week. I love it. It's good to be back in the boardroom. All right. The, uh, operating board. All right. I love right. everything everyone had to say, even though I don't understand Spanish. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not alone in the booth. So. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, th thanks for helping shape the show. Thanks to Marlene for another great show. And thank you for tuning in. This is Tony Es Libre Traficante. This is Letty. This is uh, Q. And we'll be back next week. Go to NuestraPalabra.org to catch some Nuestra Palabra episodes on demand. We'll also put up a link up to our list of great events. Hope to see you at some of those. Hope you will keep writing, buying books, and changing the world. Thank you. No matter where you are on the political spectrum, KPFT is a daily check-in on the workings of democracy. Part of a democracy is an independent press and media. Media like this is supposed to be the check and balance on government. And community radio is one of the few media outlets left that is completely independent. That's why in this age of the greatest media consolidation America has ever seen, having different voices out there is essential. KPFT has been around since 1970, and we have survived through the contributions of people like you. Listeners who donate to KPFT support us because they know that's what keeps KPFT independent. Why wait for a pledge drive? You can join KPFT online at kpft.org. Thomas Jefferson said, People cannot be both ignorant and free. Help keep KPFT vibrant with your financial contribution. Visit kpft.org to join securely online. This is commercial-free, listener-sponsored Pacifica Radio, KPFT Houston. Many of us know someone looking to sell or just get rid of an old car, truck, RV, or motorcycle. It may be just taking up room in the garage or driveway. Sometimes the cost of the repair just doesn't make a sale even worth it. And as we all look for tax deductions at the end of the year, you may want to consider donating that unwanted vehicle, running or not. KPFT can have the vehicle towed away at no charge to you. The owner, you, get a tax receipt for deductions at the end of the year, a KPFT membership, and the satisfaction of knowing that old vehicle went to a good cause. It's a win all the way around. So just call toll-free 1-855-KPFT-CAR. That's 1-855-573-8227. No matter if it's a car, truck, scooter, farm equipment, just about any kind of vehicle, we can take care of it. Just call 1-855-573-8227.